Welcome to Friends in Fiction, five best-selling authors and the stories. Novelists Mary Kay Andrews, Kristen Harmel, Christy Woodson Harvey, Patty Callahan Henry, and Mary Alice Monroe are five longtime friends with more than 80 published books to their credit. In 2020, they created Friends in Fiction to provide author interviews and fascinating insider talk about publishing and writing and to highlight independent bookstores. These friends discuss the books they've written, the books they're reading now, and the art of storytelling. If you love books and you're curious about the writing world, you're in the right place. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Friends in Fiction, our weekly Facebook live show featuring author chats in support of independent bookstores. We're so glad you're here, and we're so glad we're here. We're so <laughs> honored to be among all of you. It's such a great community, more than 28,000 members strong now, and it means so much to all of us to be a part of it. So let's get started. I'm Christy Woodson-Harvey. I'm going to be your host tonight, and we're going to be talking about our debut novels. My debut is Dear Carolina. I'm Patty Callahan-Henry, and my debut novel was his Losing <laughs> I, I'm Mary Alice Monroe, and my debut novel a long time ago was The Long Road Home, also known by my children as The Long Road to Publication. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Mary Kay Andrews, and my debut novel is Every Crooked Nanny. I'm Kristen Harmel, and my debut novel is How to Sleep with a Movie Star, which I swear is not a real house. Oh, yeah, she says that. (laughs) (laughs) And on that note, this is Friends in Fiction. Welcome. (laughs) Our show tonight is brought to you by Mama Geraldine's, America's best-selling cheese straw. Mary Kay, I saw a picture on your Instagram recently of you enjoying some of your favorite flavors. Can you tell us a little bit about Mama Geraldine's? Yeah, Mama Geraldine's were my go-to snack while I was on deadline last week. And don't forget, you can save 20% on your Mama Geraldine's order with the code FAB5. Snack on, (laughs) y'all. And as you all know, independent bookstores are a part of the reason we're here each week. And this week, our featured store is Gramercy Books in Bexley, Ohio. Gramercy is known for its amazing author events and for connecting readers with books they love. Their motto is, come here if you're seeking, we'll help you find it. Makes me want to go. The link is on our Facebook page, and all of our books are already marked at 10% off, no coupon code required. And I wanted to remind all of you to drop your live questions as we're chatting, because we'll be answering them soon. So as I mentioned, we'll be talking about our debuts tonight and that moment that sort of changed all of our lives. So I wanted to ask each of you what that moment was like when you found out that you were going to be a published author. Mary Alice, can you start us off? Okay, I definitely will. It was, um, gosh, it was a while ago, and I had been involved with the writers group with a lot of very famous, well-known authors. Mm -hmm. And I knew my time was coming. It wasn't like I was in that much of a hurry. I was raising babies. But when my baby went into first grade, my husband said, Mary Alice, you know, maybe you should get a job now. (laughs) And he was right. We had college to look forward to years. So I was a university teacher and I went back to apply. And I had an offer from a university and this was in Wisconsin. 
I'm sorry, outside of Chicago at the time. And I had this contract and I knew my book was out there. And it was just within days. And I was, which one do I please give me a sign? Three days, and I'm not kidding, before my contract was due to be signed, my book sold. My first book, oh. The Long Road Home. And to be totally honest with you, I I would have paid them the amount of money they gave me for the first book. <laughs> it was so little. But I was greenlit, and my, I turned on the contract, and the rest is history. But it was a bumpy start. But I never looked back. It was that moment I was a photograph my husband took of me with a what do you call those cameras? The Polaroid. Remember those? Yeah. (laughs) I'm on the phone and I just have this enormous grin with mud streaks on my face and sunglasses because I was out working in the garden. (laughs) (laughs) And there's no moment like it. There's no moment like it. Patty, what about you? So it would, the year was, I think, 2002, and I was unlike Mary Alice. I didn't know it was coming. I was hoping and hoping, and I knew the book was out there, and I was in carpool line. I was picking up my kids from preschool. Carpool. I was in carpool line, and it's, it, you know, one of those flip phones, yeah. you know? Yeah. Oh, my and, gosh. And I saw my agent's number. And I thought this was going to be another discussion about why someone wasn't willing to take a bet on a debut. And it was from Penguin Random House. There used to be a line called New American Library. And it was an offer. And same as Mary Alice, I probably would have written them the same amount of money. (laughs) But I hung up and was like, I'm going to be published. And it's this feeling of being swamped with disbelief while at the same time finally like finally and disbelief at the same time yeah yep totally right Kristen what about you (laughs) so my call came on April Fool's Day and I thought my agent was playing the worst joke on me because that's hard to believe really (laughs) uh, truly because not only was it like oh my gosh you have a book offer but it was from the dream editor. And you all know, I've told you this before, but my first editor was Amy Einhorn, who is a legend now. Wow. But 17 years ago, when I got my first book offer, she was a legend then too. So I got this call saying, Amy mm-hmm. Einhorn at Warner Books at the time is launching a new imprint and she wants to buy your book. And I was like, come on, that is so mean. Why would you say that to me? Like, it was just such a joke. But no, it was real. Also a very small advance that I would have easily written them to. But I have to tell you, one of the first calls I made was to my friend, um, Amy Tangerine, who is now a very famous scrapbook designer, but at the time was designing t-shirts, these um, designer t-shirts. And I dug around in my closet till I found it. She made these t-shirts for my first book. It says, I sleep with movie stars. Guys, I was wondering what you're wearing. (laughs) Like, did she wear her bathrobe tonight? No. Um. So it's a. This is my Amy Tangerine shirt, and we did shirts together for the first three books. So um, yeah, that's part of my. That's so great. That's a great story. I love that. I love that. Mary Kay, what about you? Well, I was at work in the features department at the Atlanta Journal Constitution. And a dear friend and my, my writing fairy godmother, Celestine Sedley, who was a longtime columnist at the paper, had sent my manuscript to her editor at HarperCollins. And she came out um, and she said, and he'd already turned down my first book. 
And she came out and said, Kathy, call Larry. He wants to buy your book. And so I was like, yeah, you don't really want to buy it. <laughs> but I did call him. I didn't, ha- I really didn't have an agent at that time. And he's, and I called him and he said, um, why don't you come up and talk to me? Because I think we want to, I, I think we want to buy that. We want to offer you a contract. And so my first thought was, Yahoo! <laughs> and then my second thought was, how am I going to get off work to go to New York? So I scammed um, an assignment for the paper. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. So I, smart. Um, I pitched awesome. a story about how they put together the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. So this was this was in October. So the paper paid for me to go to New York, <laughs> and they put awesome. me up at a luxurious hotel. Um, which was in a dangerous part of Manhattan. Oh my God. They used to have the commercials for this hotel on late night TV. I can't think of the name of it, but anyway, I did all the reporting for that story. And um, when the reporting was done, I, I rent, I, you know, went over to Harper Collins office, which was at, um, uh, I used to know the address by heart. And they said, we, he told me, I want to, we want to give you a two book contract, a hard, bo- a hard, soft contract for two books. And I was out of my mind with happiness. Yeah. And it just happened that I had, I had a, another newspaper friend who I then was working for, um, I think he was working for ABC in New York. And he met me, I called my husband and screamed and hollered. Of course. And then my, I met, went, to, I cabbed over to ABC to their studios and I met my friend and he took me to the monkey bar, which was a oh, very, I love the monkey bar. yeah, it was a very, I guess it's still there. It's a very yeah, iconic at the LE safe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. A very iconic New York bar. And the bar stools look like uh, palms of your hands. Yeah. And so we toasted my first book contract. You know, I didn't know your first book was with Harper. That's who bought my first book. Was Harper. Yeah. yeah I was Harper for 17 yeah. books. Wow. Well, I was, um, had just strolled little Wilhelm from preschool, his like little two-year-old, like two-day-a-week preschool class. And I had won this writing contest a few months earlier. And one of the editors that was one of the judges was um, an editor at Berkeley, which is a part of Penguin Random House, like Patty. And for some reason, when my agent called me, I was like just pacing around the house because I knew like today was going to be the day. And sort of like Patty also, I thought this was going to be another like, either they didn't get to your book today. Sorry, they're going to try to get it on the list next week, which had already happened like two or three times. Yeah. Or a, you know, I'm so sorry. And he called me and I was like pacing around the house. And he said, um, you got it. They are offering you a contract. They want to buy your book. And I was freaking out. And I remember my agent saying, you're not making any sense. So why don't you like calm down and then call me back? (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. And you know how like when you're laying in bed at night and you're imagining what this moment's going to be like. And I remember thinking like, I'll jump in the car and I'll run to my husband's office and I'll call my parents and all these things. Actually, I write about this today. So if you're a member of our newsletter, you've already read about this. But if you're not, you should join. (laughs) Um, But I walked downstairs and I got a bottle of champagne and a champagne flute. And I walked up and I sat at my desk and I drank a glass of champagne like all by myself. And I just had to have this moment of like, this is happening. Like this thing that was never going to happen has happened. And it was just magical. And truly at that point, I thought, 
check off the bucket list. I'm going to have written a book. I'm like, I never could have imagined like having number seven actually come out. So it was just a dream come true as I know it was for everybody. And it does, it totally changed my whole life as I know it did for all of you. And so obviously we all know firsthand the magic of that first book being the world. And so we wanted to take a moment tonight to highlight a few of the debut novels that we are most excited about this year. So Kristen, could you please tell us a little bit about our first guest? I would love to. So Sarah Penner graduated from the University of Kansas with a degree in finance, and she's the debut author of The Lost Apothecary, which is coming in March 2021 from Park Row Books, HarperCollins. It has actually been translated into more than 15 languages, which is incredible for a debut. Yeah, isn't that great? So Sarah and her husband live in St. Petersburg, Florida, which is where Mary Kay and I both grew up also. (laughs) So there must be something in the water there. I'm starting to Um, And they live in St. Pete with their miniature dachshund, Zoe. So please join us in welcoming Sarah. Yay. Hi, Sarah. Welcome. We're so happy. I'm so excited to be here. Yes, we're so so glad to have you. you. Mary Kay, could you tell us a little bit about our next guest, please? Yes. Um, Nancy Johnson is a native of Chicago's South Side, where my father grew up. She worked Crazy. for more than a decade, I know, as an Emmy-nominated, award-winning television journalist at CBS and ABC affiliates and in, in markets nationwide. Obviously, she could not hold a job. We'll talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> a graduate of Northwestern University and the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. Christy, go Heels. Go Heels. Go Heels. Um, she lives in downtown Chicago and manages brand communications for a large nonprofit. The Kindest Lie is her first novel. It has had so much buzz. So much and it releases February 2nd. So welcome, Nancy. Welcome, welcome Nancy. Hello, everybody. Nancy. Nancy. Welcome. Hey, Nancy, I, did, I knew that we both had Chicago in common, but we both have Northwestern University in common. There you go. So there we are. Yeah, so many connections. That's yes, the and as we've covered, <laughs> I mean, it has to be said. Um, but we thought it would be really fun to bring Nancy and Sarah in together because they just so happen to not only be debut authors, but also friends. And as the five of us well know, friends make this business a whole lot sweeter. So Mary Alice, could you please ask our first question? <laughs> Absolutely. All right. We were wondering, and we know our viewers are too, how did you two become friends? And how do you think it affected your journey through what we know can sometimes be a really long and hard and brutal process? Yeah, I would say that, you know, in this process, we spend so much time alone, you know, working on our books and then putting them into the world. And it's so solitary. And you know, so you don't have that connection. So Sarah and I are both part of the 2020 debut group that let us in uh, because we are debuting in early 2021. And then we're also part of the 2021 debut group. And so that's how we connected. And we linked up with uh, a dear friend of ours, Julie Carrick Dalton, uh, who has a book waiting for the night that uh, just released uh, this month, a great book. You want to check that one out. And so we decided that we had so much in common and we became an accountability trio. Ah, Uh, So we all have books uh, coming out January, February, March, and, you know, we're getting support from our publishers and it's just been nice. We talk every Sunday 
and we tell each other the things that we couldn't tell other people. Yeah, Yeah, that is really, that's lovely. That really is. Yeah, I'll jump in and say kind of how it happened was there was a very large revision I was embarking on in the fall just a few months ago. And I went to this 2021 debut Facebook group that Nancy just mentioned, and I just put out a feeler. And I said, does anybody want to start an accountability group? Because I have a very large revision ahead of me. And I would like some people to keep me accountable. And both Nancy and Julie jumped in. And we all kind of, as Nancy just said, have deal dates kind of following in the, you know, January, February, March. Um, And so we started these Sunday calls and we talk every Sunday at, uh, in the afternoon. And like Nancy, Nancy just said, sometimes it's seeking advice, but a lot of times it's just being very blunt and honest about what we're going through and just exactly like friends would do in conversation. It's so important to have that. We talk about like the Goodreads reviews that we're not supposed to read. The secret desires we have, you know, the most anticipated lists we want to be on. And <laughs> sure, yeah, sure. all those things. Um, the good times and the bad times. I know Sarah always says that she finds out what list she's on because I email her the yeah. link to it. Like, oh, God, you're on that list, Sarah. <laughs> yeah. So in addition to our weekly chats, it's, it's like a constant email and text string of just mm-hmm. news. So it's been very, very fun. Well, I hope we you share your that. successes too, because you both have books that are being touted all over the place. So congrats. I hope you're raising champagne a little bit. More <laughs> yes. Each other. Yes. Definitely. Yes. Yes. And Patty, I think you had a question for the ladies. Uh-oh. Oh, she just froze. Oh, okay, there, there you are. <laughs> She's there. It's being very glitchy tonight. Yeah, yeah. Crazy. So we didn't bring you on here just to talk about making friends, although we all know the sweetness of what that means, and we definitely know about the text strings. Oh, um, yes. <laughs> but we want to hear about your books. Nancy, since yours releases so, so soon, can you start by telling us just a little bit about The Kindest Lie? And the cover is fabulous. Both of y'all's covers are, Mm -hmm. yeah, really beautiful. Yes. Of course. Yeah. So The Kindest Lie is about family, uh, love, uh, the pursuit of the American dream, and all of it at the start of the Obama era. And so the story centers on Ruth Tuttle. She's a very successful black woman, uh, educated engineer, Ivy League educated, I should say. Definitely on the come up. She's got a great husband. She's just moved into her new home. So life is good. But she's been harboring this big secret. She gave birth to a baby when she was just 17 years old. And she left her baby behind in the dying Indiana factory town where she grew up. So she's got to reconcile with her past. So she goes back to her hometown. And when she gets there, of course, nothing is, you know, as she remembered, the factory, the auto plant that was the beating heart of that town has now been closed. Uh, And her grandmother and her brother are keeping some big secrets from her. And when she gets back there, she meets and forms an unlikely connection with a young white boy nicknamed Midnight. And he's mired in the very poverty that she managed to escape. And when the two of them come together, they're on this collision course of race and class, and it ends up um, upending and changing both of their lives forever. So you will have to buy the book and pre-order it now to find out what happens. Nancy, that sounds 
Amazing. I, I got yeah. chill pumps listening to you talk about it. <laughs> so even before I, you were talking about it or we read about it, our mutual friend, Ron Block, was like, yes. you yeah, have to get this book. You, know? yes. so yes. you had, you had a, a, an ally out there in the world mm-hmm. that we love dearly, too. I do. And that's a so, big part of the literary community that I want to just make that point, too. Uh, yeah. Caroline Levitt is my literary fairy godmother, which we were talking about literary fairy godmothers backstage. And she messaged Ron Block and said, and I didn't know Ron. Ron is a librarian, Cuyahoga County Public Library in Ohio. She's like, you're going to love this book. And lo and behold, he read it. He loved it. He has declared himself the uncle to my book. I saw that. That sounds like Ron. Can you imagine that? And he's the uncle of friends and fiction, too. Yes. Yes. And he's watching. So, hey, Uncle Ron. Hi, Ron. Ron. We love you. So, and and I'm always saying this, that that we're all in this boat together, right? Mm -hmm. So, if we... If we keep lifting each other up, the boat, all boats rise with the tide. But Sarah, tell us about your yes. lost apothecary. I have to say, I am have so much cover co- cover envy for that book. Oh, the flowers, the it's beautiful, it's stunning. Thank you. Yeah, the the art team just it blew my mind when they sent the yeah. cover concept over. So the lost apothecary comes out March second, and it begins with an apothecary in 18th century London who sells well disguised poisons to women seeking vengeance on the men who have wronged them. And 200 years later, in present day London, a woman is mudlarking on the River Thames and she finds a tiny blue vial and she soon suspects that she has found the culprit in the never solved apothecary murders that haunted London two centuries prior. So my story is dual timeline and we see both of these narratives kind of move forward together and my present day character is really uncovering this web of mystery and solving these these apothecary apothecary murders um so it's perfect for readers who love witchy uh witchy vibe apothecary herbalist vibe um definitely people who like old documents old maps there are several scenes that take place in the british library um and there's also a lot of uh, themes of friendship amongst women in the story and i think that's one of the more powerful elements of the book is there's this idea of really lifting one another up and preserving the names and legacies of the women that we're friends with and banded together with and the apothecary you know she runs a very secret shop and she's surreptitiously um, selling these poisons to these women who are then going to slip them into food and wine that they give to their husbands and their brothers and the people who have done them wrong. So there's this element of trust and loyalty. And like I said, just but friendship of these women. And that's one of the reasons I was so excited to come on this show tonight is because we're all about friendship and, and kind of sticking together. So it's, it's a, was such a fun story to write and it's even more fun to share here tonight. That's amazing. It's amazing. So yeah, I, I, it sounds yummy. I can hardly wait to <laughs> talk. All those things you mentioned, London, maps, apothe- they're yeah, like cat it all. We're all yeah. like, what? Yeah. 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 yeah, and there's there's some recipes in the back of the book. There's a beautiful oh, map. I mean, come on. I know. <laughs> there's both non-alcoholic and alcoholic cocktail recipes. There's a, I mean, a oh recipe that I, I wrote. Um, there's a beautiful map that the HarperCollins team 
team put together. I'm just so pleased with it. That's awesome. We're so excited for you. Big spring coming up with these two books. Yes. Um, Kristen, would you like to ask the ladies a question from our Facebook group? Yeah, we have a great one from Barbara uh, Pliska Wojcik. And Barbara, I'm, I see your name all the time and I know I'm probably always butchering the last name. I apologize. But ladies, was there an author who gave your book a referral like the friends and fiction authors often do for debut writers? Yes. Uh, for me, I guess that would be like a blurb. Yeah. Yes. 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 So, yeah. For me, I talked earlier about Caroline Levitt being mm-hmm. a literary fairy godmother to me. Mm-hmm. And so, um, when she found out I had the book deal and all that, she reached out not only to Ron Block, but she said, I know somebody else who's going to love the book. And she tweeted uh, Jody Picoult, the New York Times wow. bestselling author. Oh, yeah. We yeah. know Jody. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I don't know who she is. Who? Yeah. <laughs> Saturday afternoon. I didn't know she was going to do it. She tweeted her at her. And within about five minutes, Jody um, messaged me and said, I just pre-ordered your book. And uh, so then I was like, oh my gosh, I would love for her to read an early advanced copy of it, you know, because it's so hard to get um, oh, yeah. that, you know, recommendation and that endorsement sure. from these big name authors. And so she gave me her personal email and she said, sure, she'd love to read it. She read it. She loved the book. And so mm-hmm. she uh, endorsed it. She blurbed it. And her blurb uh, is on the final cover of The Kind of Lie. That's a pretty big blurb. March 22nd now, because of her book, Small Great Things, both of us have dealt with race. And so we are doing an event with Ron Block at Cuyahoga County Public Library. It's called Fiction and Race in America. So definitely join us for that. Yeah, and one of the uh, more memorable blurbs for The Lost Apothecary, uh, more memorable for me personally, was from Fiona Davis. So she... Who we love. She's our friend. (laughs) Yes, she is phenomenal. And we share an agent. And um, I I wondered at the beginning if the reason she turned her blurb in so quickly was because we shared an agent. But in time, we have become very good friends. And we've chatted on the phone. And um, I actually spoke with her over the phone before I signed with my agent. Um, And we had dinner in New York before lockdowns. And it's just been a really great um, experience because I read The Dollhouse, which I believe was her debut many years ago. Mm -hmm. And I remember at the time thinking, how do you even get to where she is? Um, And how do you become, you know, so successful? And if I had only known that a few years down the road, she and I would be toasting a glass of wine and and sharing Mm -hmm. stories about our books and our agent, I would have just shook my head in disbelief. So she was my very first blurb. And I think it's a neat story about just keeping your dreams, um, you know, just ahead of you and, and nothing is out of the realm of possibility. And you never know who you look up to someday that is going to feel almost like a peer and, and a supporter of you. Absolutely. Amen. Right here. Right here. (laughs) Yes. Well, ladies, thank you so much for joining us tonight. We are so excited about your debuts. And um, for all of you watching, we will have more information about both Nancy and Sarah's debuts in our Facebook group. Um, And of course, you'll be able to purchase it at a discount at Gramercy Books, our bookstore of the week. So Best of luck and thank you, thank you so much. Thank you for having thank us. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Y'all are amazing. Y'all are amazing. Thank you. Bye.
Thank you. Um, a quick commercial break to remind you <laughs> that our friends at Mama Geraldine's are offering 20% off all of their delectable goodies with the code FAB5. Okay, now we've been talking about other debuts, so we're going to have to go around the circle and give a super <laughs> short elevator pitch for our debuts, and then we're going to take a couple of quick live questions from our feed. So, um, Mary Kay, do you want to start? Gosh, it's so it, you know, Every Second <laughs> Nanny came out in, 19, in 1992. So the elevator uh, pitch is a former Atlanta cop buys a gets a PI license, can't make a living at that. She buys a cleaning business with her mom, Edna May, named after my grandmother, Edna May. And on her, um, on one of her um, first jobs, her client um, has a uh, Mormon nanny who turns up dead. And uh, Callahan Garrity was my mystery sleuth. I did eight Callahan Garrity novels, but in every crooked nanny, she's got to find out who killed the nanny. So love I love it. Love, I love All right, it. Kristen, you're up next. Tell us how we can sleep with the movie star. <laughs> you're a how-to guy. My first <laughs> wear the shirt. First, you wear the shirt that advertises your availability. No. Um. So, um, how to sleep with a movie star? Not a real how-to guide. Is about a um. It's about a magazine writer who gets involved in a situation where the whole world thinks she's having an affair with a movie star, with kind of Hollywood's hottest movie star. Uh, but in reality, her love life is a complete disaster. She has this jerk of a cheating boyfriend, and um, all of these things. But this one misconception completely spins out of control, and uh the rest of the book is sort of the zaniness that ensues as a result. So the book came out in um, 2006. I sold it in 2004 and it was very much at the height of the chiclet um, sort of the chiclet movement, you know, like Bridget Jones's diary, the devil wears Prada and all those kind of books. So it is very much that kind of feel. Love it. Sounds amazing. A, a little different than what I'm doing now. <laughs> yeah. a little, but I mean, it's kind of cool that you've like really, been a, that you can do both things. I mean, I think that's amazing. And that's the fun thing about being a writer. Yeah, um, you can kind of right. evolve. Patty, what about you? So Losing the Moon came out in 2004. And I think what's really interesting for people who are trying to write or wondering if they're ever going to have their debut is it actually isn't the first book I wrote. The first book I wrote is called um, Between the Tides. And it came out four books later. So the second book I wrote is called Losing the Moon, and it came out, and it is about two ex-lovers who haven't seen each other in years, and they run into each other at a college football game tailgating because her son is dating <clears throat> his daughter. <laughs> and the complications that ensue thereafter. That's still one of my favorite PCH. I, I, I love still, losing I women. still, all these years later, get emails that say, can we find out what happened to Nick and Amy? Where are Nick and Amy now? And I'm like, you know, there's another 15 books you could read. <laughs> yeah. They we, were, know we were on the street. I don't know if you remember this, but we were like walking up from the beach and I was like, so how's that sequel to Losing the Moon coming? And you were like, <laughs> I, I remember that. <laughs> what do you think she did? Yeah. I was like, so can you, if you're not going to write it, can you just at least tell me? Tell me what they did. Like secret yeah. intel. 
All right, Mary Alice, what about you? All right, this book came out in 1995, so that was quite a long time ago. And I have to say, for those, I love to follow an author when she's had a long career, as I have had. And you look back and you go to the very first book and you see where are the seeds of who she is as an author today. I think it's interesting to trace. So, of course, there are animals in this book, Mm -hmm. this time it's sheep. And it's called The Long Road Home. And it takes place in Vermont, where my husband's family has had a family farm for years, and it was a sheep farm. So they always say, write about what you know. And I used to take my children up there every summer. They grew up there, and every spring, summer, there would be the lambing. So this that's where I set the book. And it is our farm. And in fact, the old house, the big old house where the kids ride the bikes in it is our old house. And... It's a story, this was the 80s I was writing about, the late 80s, and there were a lot of bank scandals back then, if you remember, the crashing. So this is a story, it opens up with a widow of a, of a dishonest banker who went bankrupt. And all the only property she has left, Alice Schitt's Creek, is this farm in Vermont. And she goes up there and she tries to make a new life for herself there. And it's about finding home again, what what makes her live. And she's grieving as old secrets about what her husband was come to light. And so she has to try to um, salvage the reputation while she's trying to salvage the farm. It's a really beautiful story. And I think I've grown as a writer since, I like to think I have, but you'll see my words. You, you really see the, um, you know, who you were when you started out, what you really loved. I go, it goes way back, like the, listening to Kathy and Mary Kay talking about her first book. is a mystery, that core, you know, it was at her heart. And so uh, this is a sheep farm. Yes. So I hope you enjoyed. It takes place in Vermont. Love it. Well, my debut is called Dear Carolina. And one of my favorite parts of the book is a little tagline on the back. And it says, one beautiful baby girl, two strong Southern women, and the most difficult decision they'll ever make. And I kind of feel like that sums it up. Um, But it is a story written from a birth mother and an adoptive mother to their daughter about the ways that their lives change in the year after her birth. So um, my first story, I love it. And it actually, um, you know how sometimes things sort of come to you out of a little sprig of something. And I remember my husband and I were just sort of debating something that we were making a decision about. And I said, well, you can never have too many people who love you. And that was where the um, idea um, for this story came from. And um, I actually still get emails from people that are like, I love that. I love you can never have too many people who love you. It's such a simple, simple plain thing to say, but um, it really is true, I think. So. It is true. You yeah. can embroider yeah. that on a pillow. Yes. So- yeah. <laughs> and Christina, no, we all love you too. Oh, <laughs> you gotta, you're in a room full of women who love you. Yeah. Um, all right. So Mary Alice, could you ask a live reader question for us? Please? Oh, I'll definitely try. I've got to find it. Maybe this, hold on. Um, I'm looking for one. Here's one. Okay. Do you think your second book was easier to write, and if so, why? And this came from Irene Justice. Hmm. So that's, that's for all one. of us, right? Yes. So do you want to do you want to start us, Mary Alice? Oh gosh, uh, no. My second book is still in the drawer. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I wrote a, a second book from the Long Road Home, and my publisher 
you know, this happens in the publishing world where sometimes they fold up and the editors get fired and everything's, it happens. And so um, the book was in a drawer and it's still in the drawer. So maybe I'll put it out. I have a book in the drawer. So the second book was a disaster for me and I got sick afterwards. So I was out of the picture for about two years. And um, when I got healthy, it was like starting all over again. And that was the book club that came out. So it was, yeah, it was definitely a tough journey for me there. Yeah. Kristen, what about you? Uh, my second book was my hardest. Um, and I think mm-hmm. it was my least good. Um, it, uh, <laughs> it, yeah, it, it, it really was not, don't buy my second book. It's not very good. Um, no, I, I'm serious. I'm, I'm just a walking advertisement for myself, right? But, um, <laughs> No, no, everyone's going to run out and buy it because they want to see. <laughs> I'm just testing this reverse psychology. No, um, it, it's. I think it's very challenging to write your second novel. Um, whether whether your first one has been a tremendous success, in which case I think you are paralyzed with fear that you're not going to live up to it. That was not my experience, but um, uh, the you know, or, or on the other hand you know, your first novel lives in your head for years before you finally put pen to paper and manage to get it done. And then suddenly you have to write a second one. And it's like, how do you start from scratch again? Um, My second one was where I found my footing as a writer, but I found it clumsily as I went. And, um, and I think it was not until my third book that I hit my stride. Hmm. Very interesting. Mary Kay, what about you? Yeah, my second book was called To Live and Die in Dixie, and it was inspired by um, a very um, notorious series of murder trials in Savannah. It was the uh, Jim Williams murder trial, um, and uh, a guy named John Barrett uh, wrote um, a true crime book called to, um, Just a Little Success. Just a Little Success, Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil. My book came out. My book came out. Yeah, my book came out just a few months beforehand, and um, of course, people saw the similarities. Um, I covered two of the three murder trials, and um, so people were accusing me of ripping off John Barrett. But um, oh no! Yeah, you know what? I'm proud of that second book. I learned so much. when I when I started, I ha- I was so fortunate to have great editors, and they were teaching me how to write a book. They don't that doesn't happen anymore. Yeah. These days, you either know how to write a book, and they buy it, or you get left on the side of the road. I was incredibly fortunate to have wonderful editors who um, taught me along the way and listen to me and we, we would have this push and pull. So um, I really had a pretty good experience with my second novel, which was to live and die in Dixie. And it's still in print. Yay. Patty, what about your second? My second novel was called where the river runs. And I love that title. I, and I loved that book. I Mm -hmm. still love that book. I maybe because my first novel didn't sell until later writing my second I felt like maybe I was, I was figuring it out a tiny bit. I mean, I, I wasn't, mm. that was a false yeah. feeling because <laughs> we never have never it figured, figured out. out. I mean, yeah. the yeah. one thing you need to know about writing is that there's a secret it and the secret is yeah. there's no secret. So, yeah. you know, but, but I loved writing that book and I, um, I wouldn't change much about it. I, I really, mm-hmm. 
it was a short book. It was a small book, but it, for me, it was, it was powerful to be able to know there was going to be another book in the world. Yeah. My, I sort of felt like that too. My second book was lies and other acts of love. And I will have to say it might've been a little bit different because I wrote two manuscripts that I didn't do anything with before I wrote. No. Yeah. Two. And then I wrote a third manuscript that I signed with a literary agent for, but dear Carolina was actually my fourth manuscript. So by the time I was at lies and other acts of love, that was a story that I really, really wanted to write. And it actually started out as two different stories. And I'm usually sort of working on a few things when I'm trying to figure out like where the lightning strike is. Mm -hmm. And neither one of them were just really hitting for me. And I literally woke up in the middle of the night and sat up in bed and was like, it's not working because it's one story. (laughs) It's not two stories. Um, And so I put them together and it was just like the story wrote itself. Um, And there's some parts of that book that are based on my grandparents and their real life love story, not the like secrety parts, but some of the like really sweet and great parts. Um, And so that book will always be really special to me. And, you know, it should have, it should have sold more copies. Than it <laughs> now it will. Yeah. Yeah. But it will always have a special place for me. So, um, well, ladies, I really want us to have some time with our third guest. So Patty, could you please tell us about our last surprise guest this evening? Yes. So Pamela Terry is about to join us. And I have known Pam Terry for almost 20 years now. She and her husband, Pat Terry, are the best kind of storytellers, Mm. Southerners and songwriters, Mm. poets Mm. and novelists. For the past decade, Pamela has been the author of the internationally popular blog called From the House of Edward, which was named one of the top 10 home blogs of the year by London's The Telegraph. I want to be named the top 10 anything by London. I know, right? She's obsessed with Scotland, knitting, writing, and obviously from this novel, she is obsessed with beautiful prose. She lives in Smyrna, Georgia with her songwriter husband, Pat Terry, and their three dogs. Her debut novel, The Sweet Taste of Muscadines, comes out on March 16th. Welcome, Pamela. So we are everyone. This is a treat. Yeah, we're so glad to have you. Thank you for joining us tonight. So we're all so excited about this book, of course. So can you tell us a little bit about it? Sure. Um, well, the scaffolding of the story um, is that Lila Bruce Breedlove, uh, who lives off an island um, on an island off the coast of Maine, gets a phone call from her sister that her mother has died. Their mother has died in sort of unusual circumstances and in an unusual place. And she and her brother, Henry, travel back home to their southern town um, to what they think will be a, um, a funeral for their mother. And instead, they're met with a lot of things they didn't expect and a lot of secrets unearthed and they eventually end up traveling uh, from the south to the um, uh, Outer Hebrides in Scotland, where they find mm-hmm. out some things that change the course of their lives. So That's amazing. Well, I have to tell you um, that uh, another friend of the group, we're talking about friends of the group tonight, but Christy Barrett from A Novel Bee 
loved this book so much. She called me on the phone and read me like the first few lines and was like, listen to how beautiful this book is. So I just got it in the mail and I cannot wait That's to read great. it. Thank you. Yeah. I'm yeah, really excited so, with the cover. I think they did a great job. Beautiful. Yeah, beautiful. Cover. beautiful. Mm -hmm. yeah so Mary Alice, I think you had a question for Pam. I do, Pam. Sure. So we've been talking tonight about the moment we found out when we were going to be published authors yeah. crossing the line. Yeah. So You've had an award-winning blog, and Patty told us about your gorgeous book of essays. Mm -hmm. So this isn't really your first foray into writing. No. Although it's your debut novel. Yes. So how did you get started, and what was that moment like for you when you discovered this novel was going to be published? Yeah. Well, I have written for years and years, but I was, a, uh, I was an interior designer for a long time. And ah. Yeah, and I started making Huh? Oh, and amazing yeah, these little secrets yeah. come out. I love yeah, If you follow her Instagram, it, it's full of design that just melt ah. your heart. I really enjoyed that. I had wonderful clients. I had some success. It was really fun until it wasn't. Ah, yeah. And I kind of got tired of doing that, but I had written all my life and I started, I thought, well, I'll do a blog about design. And it took me about two days to realize I didn't want to write about design. So mm. I started writing about everything, and that's when the blog got really popular, and um, I did do a book of essays for the blog readers, um, but then I decided I wanted to try to write a novel, mm. and um, just to see if I could do it, to see if I could come up with something I was proud of, and I went to a writer's workshop, a very informal writer's workshop with uh, the wonderful Terry Kay. Oh yeah, um, whom sadly we lost last month. Yeah. yeah. Um. He, we, the two of us hit it off, which, you know, has nothing to do with me because Terry hit it off with everybody. He did. Um, but he, he told me. Um. He asked me to give him uh, to send him my first chapter, and to um. He gave me his home uh, email address, which is very sweet. So that night, I held my breath and I hit send, um, and sent it to him. Um along with the letter that said, I didn't really care if I was published or not. I just wanted to know if I could write something I was proud of. And the next morning, he had written me a letter that said, no, you need to be published. Oh, wow. How encouraging. It was very yeah. encouraging. That's it was very amazing. generous to me. Um, yeah. So I just started treating the novel like the job that it is. And um, I was about seven chapters in when I contacted Patty again with, you know, some trepidation and said, should I continue this? Is this publishable? And she uh, called me back. I still remember I was in the library parking lot where I used to write a lot. And she called me back and she said, this is definitely publishable. Keep going. So, um, and I do remember where I was. I, I was able to get my dream agent. Um, and unfortunately, um, the day that she sent the book out was the same day I was traveling to the Shetland Isles Oh, I remember that. Knitting and hiking tour. Oh, gosh. That sounds so fabulous. 14 hours off the coast of Scotland, right? In the middle of nowhere. So if I, I was lucky if I had Wi-Fi for, you know, 10 minutes a day. Um, so I didn't worry about it. I didn't think about it because I was just too far away to do that. Um, and I got home two weeks later. And two days later, um, I got a call from my agent that Random House loved it. And then about two days after that, they made an offer. And 
I remember I was sitting on my screen porch in my pajamas, and I just was. And my husband was taking pictures of me. I was like, oh, "No, don't take pictures." But yeah, it was very exciting. And she said they made an offer. She said, "Stick by the phone. This is the first offer." So she kept calling me all day, and and it was just it was great. So I'm big day. very fortunate. They've been uh, so wonderful, and I had a wonderful editor, and I've got my wonderful agent, and I'm just grateful to. You know, you're talking about friends helping friends, and I think about the generosity that Terry Kay showed me and that Patty showed me, and and um, you know what goes around comes around. So yeah. I'm tickled. Yeah, that Terry Kay was an amazingly generous man who he was. was uh, we t- we've talked about uh, writing mentors, and mm-hmm. gosh, I don't even know the list of people that Terry mm-hmm. encouraged and uh, mentored has to be as long as your arm. I was so yeah. fortunate too that we got to um, have lunch together about a month after the school. So he was so thrilled. He was like a dad. He was the yeah. dad. So um scary. I hate to lose him, but I I um I think he's happy for me. So yeah, for sure. Well um our, our um, viewers here know that we love to share a writing tip every week, and I think the five of us benefit from it as much as anyone. So mm-hmm. would you mind sharing a writing tip with us tonight, Pam? Sure. Um, I'm always reading other writers' uh, you know, thoughts on writing and, and their tips, uh, and I always held closely Flannery O'Connor's, um, you know, I write to find out what I know and what I believe mm-hmm. Um, and I was, as we were talking earlier, I was um, listening to George Saunders uh, being interviewed last night by Ann Patchett. And he said that he always wants to make sure he has something to say. And sometimes he'll be writing and think, oh, what, what, am I, what is it I'm trying to say? And he said that in editing, uh, in the editing process, when you go back, there's not a, a sentence is not working. It's not flowing correctly. It doesn't feel right. And you'll start to edit it and fix it. And in that process, all of a sudden it comes to you what you're trying to say. Yeah. Uh, so I think sometimes it's in the doing that we yeah. find out what it is that we want to say. Yeah. And you, know, you can sit around and think about it for a long time. But it's in the actual writing and the doing and the editing that we figure out what it is we want to say. And I know that was true for me with Muscadine. Yeah. Uh, That's a good tip and very good true. Yeah. Yes. Very true. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, Pam, thank you so much for joining us tonight. We are so excited about the sweet taste of muscadines and we will have all the information about where to buy your beautiful debut and um, we'll be cheering for you. Thank you. This has been much fun. I've been able to get together with girlfriends since last night. Yeah. <laughs> I know, right? That's the bonus. Thank yeah. you, Pam, so much. Have a great night. Night night. Um, okay, ladies, Mary Kay, I think you had, and we have a lot of books tonight, but really briefly, do you have one more that you want to share with us? Yes. And I was listening to an NPR interview with Amanda S. Gorman, who happened to read the inaugural poem today. And I think 22 years old, what an amazing talent. So Amanda Gorman has a children's book called Change Sings. And it will be out in September 2021. And um, one thing we'd like to remind everybody is that debut writers so um, depend on the strength of pre-orders for bookstores. So, yes, it's many months until that book comes out. Um, We hope you will 
I think everybody will want to read Amanda Gorman's beautiful words, especially in a children's book, but also pre-order the books of our debut authors tonight because their um, their career is on the line. So pre-orders really help everybody out. It's so yeah. important. Thank and you well, for saying And that. while you're at it, can you remind us about our podcast and YouTube channel and how people can listen? Yes, I will do that as soon as I find where I wrote that. <laughs> okay, I found it. Uh, we hope you will listen to all of the weekly Friends and Fiction shows on our podcast. We're also now producing special content exclusive to the podcast. One episode is live so far. One more was recorded this week. Another will be recorded. Mary Alice and I are going to record another one next week. We've got some fun guests and topics planned for February and March. So stay tuned to our social media for news as these podcast episodes are released. And you can subscribe to the Friends in Fiction podcast on Apple, Google, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcast so you never miss a show. Awesome. Kristen, we have a great bonus episode coming up on Sunday. Can you tell us about that? I'm so excited. We're going to be continuing our debut week. So this Sunday at five uh, Eastern, we will be welcoming two more incredible debut authors to our friends in fiction stage. Our friends, Susan Sorenda and Allison Hammer will be here to inspire us with their tales of writing as a second act. So if you have a long buried or really fresh dream of becoming a writer, you won't want to miss this one. And even if you don't dream of being a writer, even if you're just an avid reader who kind of wants to hear the stories behind the stories, you'll get to hear about two really great books that came out in 2020. Awesome. And Patty, you are hosting next week for us. Can you tell us about our incredible guest? Yeah. So next week I am hosting the absolutely fabulous Marissa De Los Santos. She is the poet and novelist. It's my kind of two favorite mashups, but she is the poet and novelist of the beloved book and love walked in. And her newest book is called I'd give anything. And I'm in the middle of reading it and her prose and the way that she has you swept into the story is incredible. And so I can't wait for you all to meet her and hear from her next week. Well, ladies, I think we are sort of getting low on time tonight. So um, thank you all for being here. And friends out there from all of us, thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Whether you've been with us since our debuts or you're just beginning to follow along now, we are so grateful for your love and support. And we keep getting published because you keep reading. So um, the fact that you continue to choose our books means the world to us. So thanks for tuning in every week. And we'll see you on Sunday. That's a wrap. Bye, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. Join us every week on Facebook or YouTube, where our live show airs every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. And please, subscribe to our podcast and follow us on Instagram. We're so glad you're here. Good night. Produced by Autovita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.